We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Hey, Pacer fans. Alex Golden here. I wanted to let you know about my new blog, The Blue and Golden. If you enjoy reading articles about the Pacers, then subscribe to my Substack, which is 100% free. You can find the blog at thebluenandgolden.substack.com or you can follow the link in the description of this podcast. If you enjoy what you're reading on The Blue and Golden, please share the blog with your family and friends. Thanks for your support of not only this podcast, but my written work that can only be found on thebluenandgolden.substack.com. Now, let's get back to the show. This is Tyrese Halliburton, and you're listening to Setting the Pace. Look, setting the pace with Alex and Fauci. Alex and Fauci. Alex and Alex. If I put our jacks in the paint, how you gonna stop me? How you gonna stop me? We can go head to head. Call out your top three. Call out your top three. Look at the switch from Buddy here. Now that boy got three. We got Holly Burton running point. This is a Benedict for the shot. If anybody go come in the post, then we got Miles Turner for the block. Setting the pace, going to the top. Setting the pace, going to the top. This is your number one podcast. Sweeping every team. We gon' need a mop. Smooth. Pacer Nation, what's going on? Welcome back to another episode here of Setting the Pace, your go-to Pacers podcast. I'm your host. Alex Goldman, I'm joined today by the lovely Michael J. Fachi. Fachi, how's it going? Hey, lovely is one way to put it. I'll take it. You've introduced me as far worse. But Alex, how's it going? I mean, that's a loaded question. Life is good right now. We're undefeated on the season. 2-0. I mean, Pacer Nation's buzzing right now. And I don't care who was on the court and who wasn't for Cleveland. What I care about is the two wins in the W column and the zero in the loss column for the Pacers. Yeah, and we're going to obviously get down into the game and the things that we liked and didn't like and that kind of stuff. But when you look at it from the perspective of, okay, they were without three of their guys, three starters, three all-stars, Jared Allen, Darius Garland, and Donovan Mitchell, you're thinking to yourself, okay, we should have won this game. Well, 
there was a slight chance they did not win this game. It was very close in the fourth quarter. Cavaliers really put the pressure on the Pacers in the first and third quarters to get things, you know, started in both halves, and the Pacers were able to kind of pull away from that in the in the second and the fourth. But I will say this: it doesn't matter who's on the court. You got to get those wins if you're trying to make the playoffs. You cannot afford to lose games like this. And we've seen teams before that have been undermanned come into our arena and beat us, or we've been on their floor and played a, a worse team than us, or yeah, a worse team than us. And we ended up losing the game. So it's like, yeah, they, they still had some capable players. Karis LeVert looked great in the first quarter. Uh, Evan Mobley was a monster as always, but you had to take, you had to take care of business. And that's what they did. You absolutely had to take care of business. And look, Cleveland, really tough team to play, you know, on the road. So uh, they were one of the better uh, home teams last year. And look, Evan Mobley, very special player. That's a guy who was in the running for defensive player of the year. He's going to be an all-star eventually. LeVert obviously was out for revenge. But we saw this Pacers team down 15 early. So I had a really bad feeling in my stomach to just be like, we're playing down to the competition. Like, clearly they, they overlooked the Cavs with, you know, just like you mentioned, no Mitchell, no Garland, no Jared Allen, and and this is what we get for it. But the reason why I, I don't care about who we played is because the Pacers were tested in this game, whether it was being down 15 or, like you mentioned, when the Cavs came pretty much all the way back in the end, the Pacers responded. Mm-hmm. And I think that this was a, a good next test to be, you know, how, how, do you, how do you respond when you do get hit in the mouth? Because – the Cavs weren't going to roll over and die, and I thought the Pacers responded. And this was a good win to start to get some momentum in before you play Chicago. You know, we'll get to that later on. But Alex, there was a lot to dissect in this game to be happy about, and some stuff to be a little bit worried about. Yeah, I, I think you're going to hear this reoccurring statement all season long. But there is strength in numbers, and this Pacers team's depth is their best attribute that they have moving yeah. forward. The Pacers basically have three starters from last year coming off the bench. These guys know what it's like going up against the best of the best in the league. And clearly they're not, they're, they're fearless because they're, they're playing against lesser competition. Number one, but number two, like they're not afraid of the big moments. They've clearly been in these spots to be starters. They know what it's like. And then you throw in a TJ McConnell, who's never really been a starter, but a guy that always plays 125%. Just just an incredible story for him and, and his career and how whenever he seems like he's counted out, he comes back and rises on top. And then the resurgence of Jalen Smith, like the five guys off the bench. It's just a really interesting dynamic. I don't know if they're going to always have success and always be the better group, but I think nine out of ten times you're going to find where that second unit is the Pacer strength, which was the case last year too. It really was. And when you talk about that being the strength last year, People forget the Indiana Pacers bench led the NBA reserves in scoring last year. Got it pulled up right now. The reserves last year averaged 43.8 points off the bench. I mean, awesome stuff. This year, the reserves look even better. And to put things in perspective, in this game, the Pacers bench outscored the Cavs bench 38-2 in the first half. And then 61-11 to for the game. The bench was plus 83 while the starters were minus 23, that says a lot in this game. Yeah, no, I mean, the bench unit was incredible. 61 points, 19 assists, a plus 83 for the entirety of the game. Massive, and I, and I think it all started with the guy that had a career night, 
Aaron Neesmith. Aaron Neesmith was fantastic in this game. 26 points. Every time I see him on the baseline, driving to the hoop against the Cavs, I always get flashbacks of Jared Allen. But he had some nasty moments there where he yeah. had some nice dunks, a reverse layup. He almost had a putback rebound slam that would have, mm-hmm. you know, had me jumping off my couch. But I just thought this was a great opportunity for him to kind of showcase that he can be more than just a defensive guy, but really show that he's improved offensively, which is what he did. So I felt like Aaron Neesmith carried the, you know, carried the load for the majority of the offense there in that in the first beginning of the second quarter and really got us going. And then the starters kind of came back in. You know, Matherin had a pretty efficient game from the field offensively. Same with Turner. Halliburton, obviously, at in the fourth quarter just went off. But it's one of those things where it's like when you look at this bench, it just makes you feel good. Jalen Smith hit timely baskets once again. TJ McConnell, eight assists, eight points. I mean, that's pretty good numbers for a guy that's the 10th man on the roster. Andrew Nimhart just plays defense and gets guys going offensively. Isn't always looking for his own, but he can when he needs to. I just there's such a great balance with this group. It, it feels awesome to see them grow, but it all started to me with Aaron Neesmith just popping off, showcasing why he was worth that extension. Love the pettiness, love him posting about Bleacher Reports thing. And I had so many Celtics fans in my mentions mad about him saying that they're like, Oh, he has one good game and he um, wants to come out here and say this. I'm like, one good game. Have you even you haven't even paid attention to Aaron Neesmith since he left? Number one. And number two, he wasn't even going at the Celtics. He was going at the article mm-hmm. for saying exactly. that he, he got nothing in return for, for Brogdon. You know, like, yeah. So I think it was just disrespectful from Bleacher Report. But Aaron Eastman, I mean, we can't say enough good things about him. I think all, all preseason long, he was the story of how well he looked, how sharp he looked. And now coming into the season, yeah, he didn't look great offensively against the Wizards, but everything else he was doing was great. And then this game, he's a headliner. I mean, he's the story of what really happened. It really is. And he had 17 points at halftime to lead the Pacers. Jalen Smith, another guy who had 10 points. I mean, those two really stepped up when the Pacers needed it. And, yeah, there was this quote from Neesmith. basically said, after I made my first layup, then a second one, I said, this is going to be a good day. And when I made a three-pointer, I said it was going to be a really good day. It was all just my teammates finding me. I mean, that reverse layup that – that baseline layup that you mentioned before, I couldn't even like properly describe it on Twitter, but he looked so good on that that it was like, whoa, that is, you could just tell there's layers that have been added to his game. He was doing it all. There was one time where he he wrestled a rebound down from, I can't remember who it was on the Cavs, but it was like he's buying into the role given to him to say, look, I got to bring toughness. I got to play above my size, but also he's added so much offensively that it's just, wow. I mean, the, Aaron Neesmith is, you know, looking like a player who talked about it. You know, you mentioned it all through preseason. He looked great. He's that guy who's carrying it over to the regular season and just awesome, awesome stuff. You mentioned about TJ McConnell. Great stat line, but, you know, which left out zero turnovers. Oh, yeah. McConnell is protecting the ball to a point where it's like there's going to be a, it's going to be really tough to keep him out of the lineup. And basically, this is what Rick said. He said this morning, I talked to the staff about keeping our eyes open. If there's a point in the game where TJ is the right guy, we have to pull the trigger decisively. It was pretty clear in the first quarter that we needed him and what he brings. He was plus 24 at halftime. He's a terrific player. Our rotation is by no means set. You come to the season with an idea of what might work to keep guys in rhythm and keep them into the game, but sometimes it's just not that simple. Sometimes you just need your best competitors ready to go like right now. He was a major difference in the game. And that's the thing is like, 
you see McConnell over there. Lavert was absolutely cooking in, in that that first quarter. Even by halftime, he had 25 points. I think he ended with like 31. I mean, McConnell helped in there to be able to slow him down. And that was a big part of being able to get this dub was, hey, if Lavert's putting up 25 in the first half, how do we slow him down? I think the Pacers, you know, uh, the reserves, McConnell did a great job on that. I mean, that's the one thing you always liked about McConnell, even when he was in the rotation consistently. When the, the starters were struggling, you knew McConnell was going to bring that energy off the bench to get things going. Now, I think part of the reason Carlisle said let's try to find some minutes for him is because they probably had planned on him getting some with the Tyrese uncertainty, knowing that he was kind of a game-time decision with that stomach ailment that kept him out of practice on Friday. So I think that was part of the plan was we're going to get McConnell some more reps. We don't like that we're cutting as minutes anyway, and we might need him in this moment here. And, and they like having a lot of playmakers on the floor. That's one thing that we've talked about at nauseum when since Rick's been here is he likes having multiple playmakers out there on the floor to do different things. And I think now's a good time to kind of transition a little bit into what happened in that fourth quarter, Fachi, because we're going to get to the bad stuff towards the end of this podcast. I do want to hit on some of that stuff, but I do want to talk about the moment that Tyrese Halliburton just took over this game. In 57 seconds, Fachi, 57 seconds, he had three threes and led the Pacers on a 9-1 to run. And then after that, he found, I believe it was Miles Turner, in the corner for a step-back three and kind of made it a 12-1 to run, and then the Cavaliers eventually called timeout. So it was one of those things where Tyrese Halliburton was absolutely cooking the Cavaliers, letting them know what's up, and to me, I, I tweeted about it. We've all talked about it. Channeling his inner Reggie Miller. Absolutely. Finding a random fan in the in the crowd to give him the extra motivation he needed after he was struggling and kind of going through a slump. He wasn't playing great basketball at that point. He was playing okay basketball, but he wasn't the Tyrese that we know. But for a random fan to get him to get elevated into another world and just go off completely shows you that he's got that in him. And uh, whenever you have that it factor, it's just great to see. And I cannot wait to see that in a playoff series. I, I can't wait because it felt like for years and even the last couple of years in specific, we were wondering, and maybe not last year, but like the previous two, who's going to take the last shot? Like yeah. I remember there was that span where it was like, is it going to be Duarte? He's clutch at the end of the, you know, end of a shot clock. Or it was like, you know, I don't know if it's going to be Sabonis or, uh, you know, whatever. It was just this rotation of like, tried Levert for a bit. It's just like, buddy, it's just so many different guys. It's evident when you need a basket, Tyrese has been there for the last, however long you want to say between the game winners last year and then this game. It's like, that's what everything you hope in your franchise player is when you need him most, can he get you a basket? Whether it's maybe finding someone for a basket or hitting it himself. Those three three-pointers, to me, felt like when we had been on the other end watching like LeBron just always hit that that clutch shot that you kind of knew like, oh, man, it's LeBron. How are you going to stop? It's like Tyrese put the team on his back in that moment and did not let us down. And whatever motivation he need, needed, that fan, great. Find it. Find whatever. We've heard Tom Brady find something so minuscule and basically it's just like, all right, hey, you know what? That's that fuel that I needed. In this scenario, Tyrese did what he had to do to get fired up, and he did not let his teammates down by any means. It was awesome to see, and after years of just kind of being let down in that clutch moment, we have our guy who's got ice in his veins, and I love every second of it. 
Yeah, and I think what's really cool is the very first three that he took was at the end of a shot clock, and it was an assist from Andrew Nimhard. And the very next two plays that he hit threes on, Andrew Nimhard set some nasty screens to give Tyrese just enough separation to get those shots off. And I always go back to the chemistry that Andrew and Tyrese had last year together. They fit perfectly together. You know, Bruce Brown is a new addition. He's a good defensive player. He's going to help this team. And I liked him with that closing five because of his defensive versatility. However, I, I think that you're kind of seeing how Andrew Nimhard just kind of fits in with that group and what they can do because offensively, Andrew is just a gifted playmaker that sees the floor well, and he just does things the right way. We don't necessarily see players like a Ben Matherin set a screen for a Tyrese like the way Andrew Nimhard can. And that's, not, that's nothing against Ben. It's just the way that he plays. It's stylistically, I just feel like Andrew's more fundamentally sound and just kind of has a better feel for the game all around. So it makes sense to kind of close with the starters from last year, but in replacing Buddy Hield, you have Bruce Brown, which is what we've talked about a lot is probably their best defensive lineup with Tyrese out there. We we threw out Jairus Walker as a potential piece, but we're like, Down at line, this point, you know, he's a rookie, so not yet, but eventually maybe. But we were like Aaron Neesmith, and I've been – hitting this, I don't know for how long, but I kept saying Aaron Neesmith is going to close the game as of, as the four when we're trying to play a close game and, and win it. So it feels good to be justified, but at the same time, it was pretty easy to see. He is that much better to me defensively than Obi Toppin, where you want to oh, rely yeah. on him mm-hmm. and have him out there in those moments, but you can't take a guy out that has a career night either. So he did earn it. It wasn't just like Rick trusted him over Obi. It was more like he earned it in that game. So I'd like to see how the rotation shakes out moving forward. But I feel like we're going to be seeing a lot more of that unit. I think so. And and right now, I mean, we talked about some of the good, good stuff. There's also going to be some of the bad. It's just like, yeah, in you know, the starters together. We know that there are some, you know, weaknesses defensively. Yeah, we just real quick, to- before we get on to this, can I tell you what the numbers were for that lineup last night against the Cavs? That, that closing five? So they played seven minutes together, and I think they went in together with like five minutes and 42 seconds left in the fourth. They outscored Cleveland 18-11 to to win the game. So that's good. Held them to 11 points in the final six minutes, basically. Now, in seven minutes of total play in last night's game, they had an offensive rating of 166.7, a defensive rating of (laughs) 78.6, and a gaudy net rating of 88.1. That group in seven minutes completely dominated Cleveland throughout that game. It's only seven minutes of a 48-minute game, so I'm not reading too much into it. But for that game, that lineup was special, okay? I wanted to get that out there because I wrote that in the article at theblueandgolden.substack.com where you can check that out. But you're right. That starting lineup, woo, we've got some problems. We do, and and there was a great stat that you shared. It's just, man, if you just want to talk about just the first quarter – the Pacers are currently, through two games, giving up 38 points per game in the first quarter. That is insane. They're yeah. also giving up 33 points per game in the third quarter. That's really tough. I mean, it, it's really tough. The second quarter has been where the Pacers have come alive. I mean, in this game, uh, you know, the, the Cavs shot 19% and only made four field goals in the second quarter. They scored 12 points. Yeah. I mean that 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 was a huge turnaround in this game, and I just I wonder what the Pacers are going to do to try and you know figure this out a little bit because 
you're talking about you're giving up 38 points per game. The teams that you played with the Wizards and the Cavs, the Cavs without three All-Stars, not a great sign, but definitely uh, something that we know needs to be addressed. Well, we we had our concerns with the starting lineup, and that's kind of why I was like, well, I think it kind of makes sense to start Andrew instead of Bruce just because him and Tyrese fit better together. But I really don't think Bruce is the problem. No. I think that it really comes down to how do Obi and Buddy grow defensively. Or, excuse me, uh, Obi and Ben, not Buddy. Obi and Ben, how do they grow defensively? So it's tough. I, I was I was doing some digging, Fachi. 22 Ooh. minutes they've played together this season in two games. Small sample size, not going to read too much into it. I think they need more time to get chemistry. That, to me, is the main thing. But individual defense, that's going to have to just come naturally. It's not going to be one of those things where it's like, oh, they're not gelling as a team, they as a unit, they can't figure it out. Well, no, it, it just really comes down to individual defense. But them as a starting five, they have played 22 minutes together. It's been bad. They've been 110 offensive rating. And a woeful 132 defensive Whoa. rating. Whoa. They are a minus 21.8 net rating in 22 minutes. So that you know, Rick Carlisle said at the last two games in the post game press conference, yeah, we got off to a rough start. Yeah, we got off to a rough start. But if you go back and look at the last preseason game, he praised that unit and said he believes in that core strongly, especially offensively. So I don't know what happened, but the defense was just not good overall. And I think that as they continue to get more chemistry together, kind of get more familiar with how they want to run things and what they can do, like this sounds stupid, but it's like are, you're trying to trust someone to do this and do that. And you can have communication with somebody, but if you're not used to having that communication with them, then it takes some time to build that chemistry. That's why Andrew and Aaron built that with miles and Tyrese last year. So they understand like, okay, when he says this, he means that and vice versa. So they're able to converse out there and know what everybody's meaning. Now you throw Bruce in the mix. Who's new. Obi's mix uh, new. He's uh, to the mix. And of course, Ben is in his second year and defense is not one of his strong suits. So it is a very tough spot for this group to be in, to have success right now, but I want them to get more of a sample size together so we can really get an idea of, hey, is there something here or not? And now, so I, I can't remember who it was, but someone posted some Benedict Mathurin miscues on defense yesterday where he just kind of yeah. got lost a few times. It, it was tough to watch. It, it really was. Watching it back was just like he lost his man for like a solid eight seconds on, on the, the clip that was posted. I'll have to find it. But it's at Bowser to Bowser. It's um, I, I shared that tweet, and I also have that is. in the article as well. If people want to check that out, right, then absolutely check it out, guys, because it it was tough to watch. We don't want to, you know, make a a big fuss out of this, but it shows he still has long ways to go defensively, and, and so does Obi. And you know, you don't want to then overload the starting lineup and then kind of have the bench now a little be a little bit, you know, weak you know, weaker defensively. But you'll find you'll find some mix. I don't think that we think that the starting five. That start of the year is going to finish the year. I think there will be some changes, but at the end of the day, we are still fortunate to be two and zero. I think we talked about it last time. You know, we were like, "Is Ijax the tenth man or not? Is it just how it went out?" No, didn't see any minutes in this game. McConnell was that. You know, you say the tenth guy, whatever you want to say. If the Pacers were rolling ten deep, so I think we're starting to learn a little bit more about this team. But we talked about it a little bit before. But Jalen Smith, just want to give the, the, the quick uh, tip of the hat or ask you, Alex, is the three-point shot back for Jalen Smith? Because it looks good right now. 
It's uh, it's hard not to feel that way. I mean, right now, Pachi, he's four of five from three through two games, mm-hmm. ten of thirteen from the floor. Um, his you want to hear his per thirty six numbers? I want to hear. Oh my god, I saw it and it was absolutely ridiculous. Seventy six point nine percent from the field, eighty percent from three, fifteen point eight rebounds, and twenty nine point three points. Goodness gracious, I, I this man has been I, so. I'm just going to read my article here for a second because I thought it's. I just wrote this before we came on here, so it's in my head, but. I said, I know we call him Sticks, but I think we might want to change that nickname to Mr. Efficient because he has been putting in the work. And, like, I feel like every time he takes a three-point shot, it's going in. It looks it really good. It does. He never had a start like this last year. Like, last year, it started out bad from three, and it finished, I don't know, maybe worse or at, at least as bad. So mm-hmm. what we're seeing right now just looks like a guy who's looking confident in his three-point shot again because – there was a span last year. It felt like he just stopped taking them. Yeah. So I, I love what I'm seeing right now, you know, from three, just thanks from three, just overall from Jalen Smith's play. It just feels like physically looks a lot stronger. Mentally looks a lot more confident. Um, just, I got, there's just not one thing I can complain about, about Jalen Smith. Keep it up. Awesome stuff. And then once again, our point guards, I talked about how TJ McConnell had eight assists, zero turnovers. Tyrese Halliburton had 13 assists, one turnover. Yeah. I mean, 21 to one assist to turnover ratio between those two guards. I, I The first game I highlight, I can't remember what it was. It was amazing the first game. Those yeah, it was like a three to one. Are, they're protecting the rock as good as one could possibly do it. So just, just love what I'm seeing. And then obviously Nemhard, I mean, even he had a four to one assist ratio. And overall, I mean, that's. 36 assists for the Pacers. They're averaging 37 assists through two games. The ball movement could not be any better than what we've seen so far. Yeah, I mean, I think we ended up taking 48 shots or making 48 shots, I should say. We had 36 assists on 48 shots. Unbelievable. 75% of our shots were assisted on. So you're not seeing a lot of guys just dribble and shoot and make baskets. You're seeing a lot of ball movement lead to shots. And that's the style of play that's going to help this Pacers team get out and be efficient and be the best version of themselves. So, yeah, I really I think that you brought up some good points. So talking about the defensive woes of Benedict Matherin, it's tough. And and nobody wants to hear it because everybody's rooting for Ben. But I think these are great learning points for him to say, okay, let's go to the film room. Let's let's watch what happened here. What were you thinking? Okay, if you go back and watch that clip from Bowser to Bowser, he ends up getting on Struess, and he watches the ball the entire time. And there's a little action. Okoro drives to the basket. Tyrese Halliburton's on him. Uh, Turner kind of plays a little help side there. They almost have him trapped right around the baseline by the post. And because Matherin wasn't even paying attention to Struess, he just backdoor cuts him right down the middle of the paint. Okoro gets a, a, a safety valve right there, makes that pass. And then Max Struess slams down a three, and by the time Struess had the ball, Matherin just realized it. So Matherin basically saw that whole entire thing from the top of the key and got to see the guy he was supposed to be guarding just completely throw the ball down with no contest. And then the very next possession, he's guarding Struess. Struess comes around uh, a bit of a, a bit of a curl, I guess you could say, off of Mobley, who had the ball at the right side of the wing. And he backdoored Matherin to get wide open. But because Mobley had the ball at the top of the key, Turner was playing off. So Turner had time to recover, help Matherin, and he ended up switching on to Struess. He tells Matherin to go out and get Mobley. So 
Struess has the basketball. Turner steps up, pre- you know, prevents him from getting a basket. Struess then retreats to the three-point line, dribble, kept his dribble. Turner is communicating with Matherin. Hey, switch back. You go back to Struess, I'll get Mobley. Just communication right there, right? Just trying to communicate and say what's going on. Matherin reacts late. Mobley backdoor cuts Matherin. And Struess sent him on a bounce pass, and he had a dunk. So it was just like back-to-back possessions. He got backdoored three times, and it was just not good. So uh, I think that the one with Turner, like there might have been a little bit of confusion on that one because Turner was telling him to switch, and he was overthinking it. But the one where he just stood there for eight seconds and watched the ball, that is the problem that we're going to have with Matherin. He might be a solid on-ball defender if the guy has the ball in his hands. How is he as an off-ball defender? That's where he's going to have to really step up and grow because right now it it doesn't look promising. No, it doesn't. And he had those same woes last year at times of kind of just, you know, I don't know, spacing out, being being delayed, whatever it may be. So that's something to keep an eye on. And I know he really, you know, he talked about when he came on our show and he said it all, I want to be a great two-way player. Definitely ha- have some ways to go, but you, you like that he – he acknowledges he's got a long way to go. So mm. I think that'll take some time. But an unrelated note, we saw Bruce Brown be on fire the first game, 24 points. Then we saw, you know, something a little bit different. I mean, just six points, but it's great to see, and I, and doesn't hit a three, just one attempted. Great to see the Pacers don't need Bruce Brown to have 15 to, to 24 points, anything like that to be able to get a win. And I think that that's awesome because it could set false expectations to say, Wow, because he's paid like an all-star. He might take that leap. We don't need him. We never needed him to be a 20-point-per-game scorer. So it just shows how deep this Pacers team is. And then got to show some love for Miles Turner. Turner with an awesome performance, 20 points, 12 rebounds, had two blocks, did it on 7 of 14 shooting. It was a little bit quiet in the first game. I thought this was, was a really good Miles Turner performance, you know, offensively, obviously, you know, Hey, Evan Mobley, really good player. Um, I think that there was there was definitely some struggles at times. And Mobley goes off for 33. But for Turner, I thought this was a, a real good performance to say that, hey, he's not just going to be lost in the shuffle this year with the amount of talent on this Pacers team. Yeah, I mean, I thought it was a great point. Evan Mobley's tough. Evan Mobley's a great player. And it's gonna be a really you know, good people one. can say, oh, how did Turner let him do all this? Like, look, Evan Mobley's just really good, and he had a lot – uh, to carry on those shoulders last night with all of the guys being out. It was kind of him and Levert carrying the load, and then the rest of the guys were kind of just scoring when they could. But overall, I thought that Turner having a double-double, that was great. But also getting in that fifth foul with like three minutes left, three and a half minutes left in the fourth quarter, that unit was playing pretty well. You need Turner out there to close games because he is the the, the best center that this team has. He played through the fouls. And he was able to make some big timely baskets. We talked about that step back three that he hit in front of the bench. He also had like a 13 foot jumper that he hit about two, three possessions later. So that's great. He also, I think he had 12 rebounds last night, if I'm not mistaken. Yep, it was. So 20 and 12. Like if he wants to consider himself a top five center in the league and he wants to be an all star, he's going to have to make sure that he can get more effective on the glass. And I think absolutely. I'm keeping track of how many double doubles he gets because I think if he can at least get close to like 50 or 60, you're talking about a guy that's going to be averaging a double-double. You want to see that. You don't want to see him have too many games where he's under five or six. Mm-hmm. He needs to be at seven seven to eight every single game, 
potentially in the 10 to 12 range if he can. This isn't a knock on, you know, him as a player. I just think that for him to take that next step, to be that all-star level center that he wants to be and get the recognition that he wants, he needs to take that step and be uh, effective more than just blocking shots. Because I don't care if he scores 20 points or 15 points. That doesn't matter to me. I'm more worried about how efficient were you and how many rebounds did you grab because that's possessions. And that, to me, is just as important as, as blocking a shot as on defense. Yeah. Absolutely right. I mean, so far, eight rebounds first game, 12 in the second. Hey, it averages out to 10 rebounds per game through two games. He's averaging a double-double. He's averaging that double-double. So awesome to see. I mean, even if Turner can average eight rebounds on the year, you know, nine rebounds, that would be not only a career high, but that's what this Pacers team needs. So I think that would be awesome. We don't need him to average 20 points per game. If he averages 15 points per game, that would still be the second best mark of his career. So behind only last year. Yeah. So I, I thought we saw enough to be encouraged about in this game. Still some stuff to be worried about. But at the end of the day, you know, we don't want to overreact. One thing I got to shout out, and I probably feel bad because I probably shouldn't have acknowledged it. But someone had like one of the worst takes I've ever heard before on Twitter. It was like, like this Pacers team, like I'm not hyped at all. Like Carlisle's got to go. He's too old. He loves Nemhard too much. He's got too much faith. And like, like Bruce Brown and Neesmith, I was like, what? Like, what are you saying? Like, first of all, we just extended Carlisle. We're 2-0. and Like, and there's a lot to like about Neesmith, Nemhard, and Bruce Brown. Like, it was like, those are literally three of the best defensive players that we have. So it's just like, it felt like there's always going to be that group of fans where it feels like the sky is falling because we might have barely beat a Cleveland team without some all-stars but guys we're two and oh let's be happy about it know that yeah we're not there yet but let's continue to take some steps forward we're about to play a Chicago team that had a hold of a players only meeting after game one I mean like that's not us right now we're having fun these guys like playing with each other and I think that they're going to continue to build on this develop that chemistry and of course we hope tighten up defensively as this year goes along yeah i think there's been some people on twitter that are always trying to find the negative in every single aspect of the game and of the franchise and with that people why waste your energy you know i find the mute button very appealing to me on twitter the more and more i find these people in my comments and i just like start scrolling through sometimes when i get notifications i look through at a comment and it'll say uh account muted view to see post <laughs> i'm like i'm good i'm just gonna keep scrolling because i usually know it's the same two or three people that are always in there some of them don't mm-hmm. even follow me but they come in there and they want to comment on everything that i post and post something negative about the pacers or rick carlisle or matherin or nimhart or whoever and it's just like hey if you want to be negative and do all of that that's your own business but it doesn't do you any good it's it's good to enjoy like basketball is fun it's like we're having a fun time Talking about this team, watching this team, watching Tyrese Halliburton take over in the fourth quarter, watching Miles Turner hit step back threes in front of the team, watching Aaron Eastman dunk all over the Cavs multiple times. Like that is fun to me. It's not oh, fun yeah. to me to sit there and say, well, this isn't very fun because we're playing a team that's weak. Okay. Well, if that's what you want to do, then then find something better to do with your life if this is not fun to you and you hate everything about the Indiana Pacers in basketball. Because if you're just doing it to troll on Twitter, I mean, you're not you're not messing with me. You're not wasting my time. So uh, you're not going to bother me. You're not going to upset me. I just think it's ridiculous <laughs> to to be so uh, adamant that you're against something. Just find something else to do. I mean, 2-0. and oh, 
how could you have a complaint? It, it's just crazy. These wins don't need to be pretty. At the end of the day, no one's going to remember. No, they're not going to look at the big, oh, tiebreaker is that win against Cleveland didn't look convincing enough. Like, that's never going to happen. So at this point, just enjoy it. I mean, this was a Pacers team that was Vegas had them predicted at 38 and a half wins. We're already 2-0. and by, by all means, a lot of people probably looked at that first game against Cleveland before the season started as probably a loss. Uh, because it's in Cleveland and they're a good team. So, hey, we're, we're moving on. And I, I think that for now, we remain healthy. You got to knock on wood for that. That's an awesome sign to see. And I think that we just have not by any means played our best basketball. I think offensively, yeah, we are a real good team that you can't take lightly anymore. I, I tr- We talked about it, but I truly think – now, teams see the Indiana Pacers on the schedule. You better be ready to run, and you better be ready to try and put up, you know, 125-plus points against us because that might be what you need in order to walk out with a win because we can score with, I believe, the best of them. For sure, Fachi. Um, I will ask you this. Do you know the last time we started out 2-0? and I thought about it. I didn't get around to it. It's clearly been, you know, a few years. What, what do we got? 2020-2021, Napier oh, Orkin was the head coach. Pacers beat the New York Knicks uh, at home, and then they were on the road against the Chicago Bulls. The Chicago Bulls. Hmm. Let's keep the good times rolling. I mean, that season over there, it's it's one we could probably, you know, and then we might have started out 2-0. and It didn't end that great. We'll play in action. And maybe Orkin, a season that we could probably forget about, but – I'm I'm ready to keep these good times going because I got that extra pep in the step lately. That air, it just feels a little bit different. It's a little bit more crisp. And at this point, man, I'm loving life. Uh, I'm loving it too. And uh, I, I want to give a shout out to, to my friend Carson. He said he was at dinner tonight and he looked up and Kevin Pritchard was having dinner there as well. So hey. he made sure he said, hey, and that he is enjoying the team. <laughs> this nice. year so uh yeah I, I think it's cool if you guys see kevin pritchard out and about having dinner stop by and say hey tell him you like the pacers and if you if you really want to be nice say i like that podcast setting the pace <laughs> hey there we go that'll, always that'll like nice. that uh anything else though on the game before we get going no I, w- I would just say guys you know let's just be excited about every win quit quit the you know being so nitpicky about everything a win's a win and, and there's been times that we uh weren't able to come by too many of them. So let's appreciate them when they come, and I'm looking forward to hopefully being 3-0. Yeah, two years ago we won 25 games. So, you know, two wins and two games, I'm pretty excited about it. It's fun to talk about a team that's relevant, and hopefully the Pacers can continue to grow and expand upon this success they're having early on and make this a fun season and get back to the postseason. But with that being said, Fachi, go ahead and please let the people know where they can find us at on social media. Absolutely. So you can find us on Twitter at Pacers Pod STP. You can find Alex on Twitter at Alex Golden NBA. I can be found on Twitter at underscore FACCI. You can find us on Instagram at Pacers Pod STP. You can find us on Facebook at Setting the Pace. You can find us on TikTok at Setting the Pace. And Alex, tell them where they can check us out on YouTube. Ladies and gentlemen, go to youtube.com slash Setting the Pace of Pacers Podcast where you can find all of our post game recap videos on there as well as other potential podcast episodes that we put up there as well. But with that being said, Fachi, if you're excited that Tyrese Halliburton is on your team and leading your franchise, then hit me with those three words. Let's go Pacers! Say-
setting the pace, going to the top, setting the pace, going to the top. This is your number one podcast, sweeping every team. We gon' need a mop, smooth. Mother's Day is almost here, and you can get her the most beautiful time-tested gift around. A watch she can wear every day for movement. Whether mom's into classic dress watches, rare and refined ceramics, or tried-and-true bestsellers, movement has something she'll love. And right now, you can save big on the best Mother's Day gift ever with up to 50% off site-wide during movement's Mother's Day sale at MVMT.com. Again, that's up to 50% off at MVMT.com.